0: all right let's jump into it tonight as we get started let me remind you that we are it's been with the holidays hard to keep uh kind of in contact but as you know sean is getting ready to move at the end of this year to be pastor at emmanuel enid and so we are collecting the love offering during these next weeks and on december 19th we'll have a reception we don't do that often around here so we're going to have to learn how to do it again and uh it'll be a come and go 4 to 5, be in room 143 at the front of the church, and like I told you before, we're having a Sean spirited reception. It's going to be all the junk food Sean eats on a daily basis, and it is a wide variety, so everybody will be able to find some kind of crazy snack that you can pray over and prove how big God is to bless what you're about to put in your body. So we encourage you to come out, enjoy that time, show their family how much we appreciate all they've done uh, these years for us. We are taking kind of a different approach on Wednesday nights uh, for a few weeks as we had a theme this year of going one-on-one with God and then introducing our God to someone who doesn't know Him. Well, we spend a lot of energy focusing on praying for our ones, sharing our story, learning how to engage the gospel with people, but if we're not spending time every day with our Lord, there won't be that fresh outpouring. Uh, of sharing. It will come naturally as you walk with Christ, as you abide in him and Christ abides in you, it will flow from you in the conversations you have. Uh, You'll see life differently. You'll you'll see ministry opportunities that are before you that maybe you never saw before because you're abiding in the vine. And so we are digging in, learning how to go one-on-one with God. There's a great book. Some of you have already gotten it. I would encourage you to pick it up. Ross Allen Hill who Uh, Did the broken pieces, and if you remember the vase, the guy that brought the vase in and talked about brokenness, he has written this book on Fuel to Ignite Your Soul. It's a 40 day challenge. Uh, It will take you through being fresh in your walk with God. It'll talk about prayer journaling. He has an amazing prayer journaling uh, uh, discipline that has been really valuable to me in recent days. If you're interested in that, the books are up here. They're $10 a piece. You can pay on the church app or you can pay with cash or get us later, but those are available if you would like to have a tool to help you abide more in the Word in the days ahead. Uh, just reminders, I'll keep putting these up on the screen for those that are jumping in or even viewing online, the tools that are available to you that are free. There are lots of other ones. You may already have a lot of good tools that you have learned or access yourself, but BibleStudyTools.com is a great site, and PreceptAustin.org is a great website. Tons of different helps, concordances, dictionaries, uh, commentaries, sermon notes, all kinds of different things that are available to you. Now, in One on One with God, it literally is an amazing Bible study that we will make available to small groups uh, that take you even deeper in the disciplines that I'm kind of talking about here on Wednesday nights. Uh, Written by a great couple from Northwest Baptist Church, I think back in the 70s. Uh, a businessman who had uh, the understanding that he was a minister as well you don't have to be on a church staff to be a minister we're all ministers of reconciliation and in his business he had a heart for his employees and his customers much like we do with community bridges here at our church and and so he was burdened not only just to lead his employees to Christ but after they became Christians that they would get the help they need to grow in their relationship with Christ and so he and his wife developed this material called one-on-one with God it was a multiplying discipleship strategy to help people know how to get into God's Word versus just seeing a big old Bible sitting on a coffee table and so his three points that he teaches through that is just something I'm bringing to you Uh, you can go deeper with it you can help us teach this to other believers in the year to come but it's called ponder number one ponder the second principle is picture And the third one is pray. So when we ponder, we're not just reading the Bible to read the words to say, I've read through the Bible. Um, While it's good to get as much word in you as you can, what good is it to read through the Bible if you're not letting the word really penetrate your heart? And so we need to take time to, to digest, to consume the bread of life, to ponder on the words that God has revealed himself in. These things have I written, he said, that you may know you have eternal life. It is God who is the author, using human authors as pens in his hand to give us his divine revelation. And as the Bible was written under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, certain words, certain phrases, deep clues into the mysteries and the depths of who God is exist in front of us. And we can either see it as a bunch of mysterious language and religious lingo, or we can ponder and dig in and peel open uh, the depth of what God is communicating to you as his love letter to you, his bride. So that's pondering. The second thing we do after we ponder on those principles is we try to turn that into a picture. There are three ways that we can picture the truth that we just pondered it can be a mental picture it could be like a blank canvas and and how you visualize that truth if you look at Jesus teaching often he tried to help people see truth in pictures he would use analogies and parables and object lessons and 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 those things still stick today and those lessons that Jesus taught as pictures have changed cultures all around the world and are a part of human vocabulary and it comes from the teachings of Jesus in those pictures The third thing we do is after we kind of digest it through pondering, as we turn that into a picture, let's stop and let's pray in that moment. As God is speaking to you through his word, don't just bookend in prayer. Start with a prayer, read the Bible, and close in a prayer. You learn a holy dialogue. It it should be as you spend time in the word and you spend time with God, it should be just like spending time with your best friend at at a restaurant or over coffee. You don't have one of you just open up with a word of prayer at the beginning and and then stare at each other and read a book and then at the end of 20 or 30 minutes say okay let's close our meeting time now in prayer you dialogue the time you spend together and that's what you do when you're abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in you so what we'll do is we're practicing these three p's we're taking a verse or two verses at a time we're going to ponder them at the table you'll do it individually first then you'll do it collectively so you might even start swapping up your table every once in a while just to dialogue with somebody else about Scripture on a Wednesday night. And then we'll come back and we will pray about the specific truths that we pondered in those verses. too. So you're going you're gonna to ponder, you're going to picture, you're going to pray. You're going to ponder, picture, pray. Ponder, picture, pray two or three times tonight. You ready? Let's dig in. Let's jump in where we left off last time, two weeks ago. Open up to Ephesians chapter 1 verses seven through eight. Carolyn, you're doing a great job with the slides. Rock and roll back there. Ephesians chapter one, verses seven through eight. We kind of already pondered this a little bit, but I wanted to kind of pick back up there and take a look at it. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. So take those two verses, maybe reflect on what you talked about two weeks ago maybe you weren't here two weeks ago Uh, remember i'm encouraging you to circle things underline uh, draw arrows look for uh, relationships that are maybe uh, if you see an and it connects two things so connect those things those concepts whatever you're seeing in those scriptures so individually without talking around your table you do your own pondering what jumps out at you What are some truths God's communicating there? And then in about three minutes, I'm going to have you share together at your table. So you go first, verses 7 through 8. Hopefully, you've had enough time to start at least picking out some key concepts or some key thoughts there. If you would take the next three to four minutes, not everybody hog it at all and don't cover every point that's there, but take turns and somebody say, here's a word or a phrase that jumped out to me and, and, and what this is saying into my life tonight. Take turns going around the table about something you see in those two passages and then let somebody else go next. All right, ready, set, go. People still digging in? You need more time? I can't ever tell when you've had enough discussion or not. I don't want to cut it off too early. Let me put up a couple things on the screen, and I'm sure you picked out your own things as well. You may not be able to read that super well. Uh, I just want you to kind of get a flavor for uh, the power of marking stuff up and drawing things in and, and getting there. And you could have your own system, but at the very top I have verses seven and eight. We talked last week or two weeks ago about that lavish grace. We talked about the picture of gravy being slopped on, just covered up, you know, lavishly. I got into some of that. We talked about redemption. um, And and then there's a phrase that jumped out to me that was pretty powerful that, that really blessed my life that day. And it's the fact, yeah, thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you for redeeming us. There was a high price uh, that word redemption, uh, that only happens if a price is paid that you can't pay. That's where that term comes from. Maybe you would have had to dig that out if you were a new student to Scripture. And for something to be redeemed, we've talked about before, many of you will get this in this crowd, the s h Green Stamp book. You remember that? And what was the store called? That after you had your books with all the green stamps on it, where would you go to turn it in for an item? Do you remember what they called it? They, they called it a redemption center. You had to go redeem your stamps and you would pay for the item by what you paid to collect the stamp. So it was a redemption process. And the Bible says you and I have been forgiven of all of our wrongdoings by an amazing price that was paid one in green stamps, one in coupons. How did your sins get forgiven? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, it goes on, and this is what jumped out to me at the end of verse 7. It says, through his blood, for the forgiveness of our wrongdoings, according to the riches of his what? Grace. My note is a little piece of math there where it says, my sin and his grace, I don't know if you can see that there at the top of the screen, I did the greater than. I need to be reminded that his grace is much greater it was according to his great grace and my sin is less than that great in other words it's a reminder to me of how abundant God's grace was lavished out on me just a small note but can I just tell you how powerful that was to minister to my spirit in that day in that moment to show that God so loved me that in his lavish grace he poured out that grace which is greater than all of my sin you probably had some other things that you marked out and things that jumped out to you. And uh, we're going to go on to the next two verses now. Let's go on to Ephesians chapter 9 and verse 10. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he set forth in him, regarding his plan of the fullness of the times to bring all things together in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. Two new verses individually, don't do this collectively, You do your own pondering. Break out the magnifying glass. Become a private detective. Look for clues. What are some words God wanted you to see that amplify his truth? What are some things in that passage that maybe you wrestle with or need to see? Underline those things. Mark them up. And then after the next uh, four minutes, I'll have you dialogue at your table of what you marked up. If you're still working on that individually, that's okay. You can listen in as some others talk. If you'd move now to discussion around your table, uh, pick out one or two things that jumped out to you in that verse and talk about it with those at your table. Yes, sir. New American Standard is what I use. Uh, it should be. Now, sometimes I'll cop, copy and paste from Bible study tools, and there's three different versions of New American Standard. There's a 95 version and another one, so it, there may be a couple words that are a little bit different. I've noticed myself doing that a couple times, and I forget when I switch within the, the Dropbox. Are you seeing a couple words different than, than what's yours? <clears throat> Great question. Now, I violated the principles and I have a tendency to do this when we do this in staff meeting. By the way, we do this as a staff. We, we share our devotions, what God's teaching us when we go one-on-one with God and then we do the ponder picture pray. And Bob, who's very disciplined in this, learned it at Northwest Baptist when he was on staff there and has taught multiple classes, always has to remind us, we do the pondering really well, we forget to stop and do the picture. Uh, We didn't do that in the last two verses. Uh, I should have given you more time to then, as you discussed what you saw there, pick out those things, those truths that you pondered and turn them into a picture. Remember the three ways to picture. The canvas, it can be Jesus sitting across the table and speaking a truth into your life, or the third option is it's just God gives you points of application. These are three things I need to do. And we pray, and then you pray about those things. So I'm going to back up the train for a little bit, if you'll forgive me. And let's go back to the previous two verses. You look at those two verses and the things you talked about at your table uh, back before you yeah, in 7 and 8 and pick out some things. For example, uh, I told you about how his grace was greater than all my sin. As I think about that, my picture was the math sign, the greater than sign. I can just see that in my head. It's not a great big picture, but it's a picture that I have uh, that I relate to from going through math class all the time and thinking about which side of the equation was greater and which was lesser. And when I can see the beauty and the magnificence of God's grace, now I turn that into a dialogue with God. And for my prayer out of those two verses, it would be, Lord, thank you that you paid an ultimate price for my sin. The wages of that sin was death, and that's what I deserved. Lord, it was a debt I couldn't pay, a debt I could never overcome. Uh, I'm in debt to you, Lord, and it was your abundant grace, your grace that is greater than all of my sin. That's not just a beautiful line in a hymn that we sing. That's my reality. God, thank you that your grace was greater than all of my sin. Do you see how I just dialogued with God just out of the simplicity of those two verses? All right? So you pick out your pieces. What was it? Maybe it's the lavishness of his grace. What is it that God overwhelmed you with? As you put your magnifying glass on those two verses, turn it into a picture, however you need to picture it, and then have a dialogue with God. You don't have to pray out loud like I just did, but from your heart to God's, take a moment and pray out of verses 7 and 8. Would you do that? And then we'll come back to 9 and 10. amen all right you hold me accountable that I don't move us too fast and keep just moving to ponder 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 we want to take that time and we want to dialogue with God let's go to verses 9 and 10 now um, I forgot if I even did I already have you dialogue on 9 and 10 or did you just do the solo you'd already dialogued. okay so um, let me pop up a note that I had in verses 9 through 10 <clears throat> as I went through there obviously the mystery of his will that's a unique phrase Um, I hope that you stopped in that. I think I heard Dr. Myers over here talking about the mystery. Um, I I wrestled with that some. Why did he use the word mystery there? Why didn't he just say his will? You see how I kind of ask those questions? There's a reason these words are on these pages. He wanted to convey in deep meaning deep truths. And so I had to do some digging. I did a little bit of research on the word mystery. That word for mystery doesn't mean the unknowable You know, there are a lot of mysteries in this world, and uh, sometimes we think of the mysteries, maybe a mystery movie, or if you grew up with uh, Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Machine, you know, we have all these different interpretations of mystery, and for some, a mystery is something that's unsolvable, uh, unknown, and that's not what this word means. It does mean a knowable revelation. It must be revealed. It not easily discerned you remember jesus said i have to speak in parables because uh, there are those who can't see it they're blind but those who god opens their eyes uh, the revealed mystery and so aren't you glad my note that i put down is once i was blind but praise god now i see i alluded and t- took a note of second corinthians 4 3 through 4 reminding myself uh, that when i used to look at the word of god before i became a believer i couldn't read it i remember Having a Bible study in our wheat field back behind my house. And uh, maybe you all heard there was a a preacher girl that was my age. We were in grade school and uh, they moved on to our street block and she was all fired up about God. And I think we were like fourth grade, third or fourth grade. And she started a Bible study in the wheat field behind my house. And we would come out with our little children's Bibles. And I wasn't even a believer, obviously, and didn't really go to church much. But I had a Bible given to me by my godparents when I was one year old. And I always kept that Bible. I always loved that thing. And God put that in my heart because he was going to use that throughout my life to draw me to him. And we go out there and we started. And where do you think you start? You always start at the front of the book, right? Uh, And I expected to read about how we would all live happily ever after. And I started in the book of Genesis in third grade. And didn't have a clue what was going on, but I was in the Word, right? And it was, look, it was a cloaked mystery to me. It was big words. It was crazy concepts. It was, I was blinded to it. And then when Cammy started taking me to church, obviously I was older. I uh, had more learning. I understood words better. I had a little bit more of a developed brain by the time I was in high school where I could understand it better, but it still was blinded to it even as a junior in high school, and then after I came to know Christ, it just became revealed truth, and God continues to unpack it, and so uh, it's no longer a mystery, but it was to his good pleasure that he made known, revealed to us what was first mysterious. How do you understand grace? You go anywhere on this planet, people don't understand grace. It doesn't make sense to them, the gospel, even Paul said, is what to most people? Foolishness. It's a mystery. How could God love somebody like me? No, the only way I get love is if I do something to earn that love. That's all I can understand. That's, why, that's the way I've seen love. That's been my filter. And yet God has to reveal to you what grace is. God has to reveal to you what sin is. It's amazing to me how some people think they're fine, that they don't need a savior. Does that not blow you away? And it's hard to remember how hardened we were before God opened our eyes to that truth. So What was once a mystery, God has made it known to us. And if that doesn't blow you away, and you can't look at that and say, man, I am blown away, God, that you chose to open my eyes, that you didn't leave me in that blindness, you didn't leave me in that darkness, but you made known to me the mystery. So right there, already, as I've pondered that, that would certainly be a holy dialogue. I'm already talking back to God about it. I'm already praying in in my language, if you will. I'm uh, I'm dialoguing with God as I see that truth, and I picture it, and then I turn that into a prayer. Um, And then, in verse 10, another thing that jumps out in verse 10, regarding his plan. I circled that, and I highlighted it in yellow. To know that that was his plan from the very beginning was to reveal to us that we might know we have eternal life, that it didn't have to remain a mystery, that he would make it known, and man, to know that God had a plan for my life, that just jumps off the pages to me. Where I could have just read through those two verses and moved on, those type of things jumped out to me. So you find what jumps out to you. Maybe you even heard something from somebody else and that just ministered to your spirit, Dialogue with God about that and a matter of fact this time what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to ask somebody to be courageous at the table because I know that we have grown as a staff when we listen in on somebody else pray their picture. Um, It helps us all grow in dialoguing with God and so if somebody would be brave enough around the table let the others listen in say I'll do it this time there's something I'd really like to just thank God for in this verse. And you just pray while everybody joins you at your table. Would somebody be a volunteer? Do that right now around your tables. And then we'll go to a couple of other verses before we go to prayer time tonight. Okay, hopefully you've had time to pray through that. We're going to jump into two more verses. Let's go on to verses 11 and 12. In him we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in the Christ would be the praise of his glory." There's a lot of fancy stuff going on right there and a lot of good spiritual lingo. Dig in on it. Break out your magnifying glass. Do that as an individual. You've got three minutes and in a moment you'll get to talk about it around the table. Ready, set, go. If you've had enough time, hopefully you can uh, select a thing or two out of those two passages. Take some time and share that around your table, please. everybody had enough time to share or is it more going on you need more time all right I'm going to interrupt then if I can let me um, let me point out one little piece there there's a lot if you've noticed in just a few verses every week you see this constant predestined concept coming up and when you constantly see him talking about his predestined plan you'll see it always tied to the man of the plan you'll always see it tied to Jesus predestined in him according to his plan according to his will he was slain before the foundation of the world you'll see these concepts throughout scripture but one of the benefits of that predetermined plan in verse 11 it says in him we've obtained an inheritance did anybody jump in on the word inheritance okay good uh, you look at that and you think about that and there's some depth to that word No, see, this didn't say a gift. He just didn't say we have these pleasures or treasures or rewards. He used a very specific word, inheritance. Well, it'd be good to go over to your BibleStudyTools.com or to Concordance and dig into that word, inheritance. You have to be very careful sometimes uh, that you don't just use our current cultural context for a word, but you actually get to the meaning, the original meaning in the historical context of the word. That particular word in that language Greek in this case um, and you dig into some of those things and sometimes they are one and the same uh, we can all think about an inheritance how do we get an inheritance do we work for that inheritance no our parents did somebody leaves that to us we were talking at our dinner table about uh, Valerie's aunt and she's an antique collector and things that she's leaving to them uh, an inheritance well in our inheritance um, this was being used, I read um, John MacArthur's commentary on Ephesians 1, and he talked about being at a summer camp with teenagers, it was in the early years of his ministry, he showed up for the summer camp as the speaker, and he noticed a young man who would always isolate himself in the very back of the, uh, of the room, anywhere they were at, he was always by himself, always isolated, all by himself, so he finally got a burden for this kid, and he walked over to him, and as he approached him, he noticed that he had a very dramatically withered hand, arm, and leg. All of a sudden he understood the young man's insecurities and why he was kind of withdrawn. As he went to introduce himself, he said the young man greeted him with a very bitter scrowl and just kind of tried to push him away just like he was doing everybody else at the camp. And John began to speak into his life and began to try to get to know him better. And and, uh, I forget part of the conversation, but basically the kid snapped back at him. He He obviously was very bitter and he said, do you see what God has done to me? What would you say in that moment? Maybe you have somebody who feels like something bad has happened to them and God let that happen or God caused that to happen to them. What would your response be? Well, John MacArthur took him to this particular verse and he said, I want you to understand something. I see the tragedy of your arm and your leg, but that's not you. He goes, what do you mean that's not me? This is who I am. This is is how I am. This is going to be me the rest of my life. And John MacArthur said, no, you don't understand. God has so much more for you than this life. There's an inheritance that he has for you. If you go through and you read all of 11 through 12, look at what it goes on to say towards the very end. It says, all the way to, look at verse 12, to the end that we were to first be the hope in Christ to the praise of his glory. He said, in Christ, Christ came to redeem all the sickness of this world and all the results of sin and the things that we experience on this earth. This isn't all there is. This isn't you. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for me? Yeah. And do you know that God has a plan to give you a glorified body, a whole brand new body one day? That is an inheritance that is available to you through Christ. And he ended up leading that young man to Christ and it changed everything for him he never saw himself as the handicapped boy but he saw himself as a glorious child of God who had a glorious inheritance awaiting him totally changed everything we have so much that I don't even know we realize is ours think about your inheritance what are you getting from his lavish grace from his grace that is greater than all your sin and and I'm sure there were other things that jumped out to you so take those verses what you guys just talked about and find your own picture Well, because of that story I'm seeing that young man in my in my mind and thinking about the glory of life after this and all that God has for us in heaven and all God has for me right now all that I get to experience through Christ and so I'm going to dialogue with the Lord and thank him for my inheritance what jumps out at you you find your picture and then if somebody new at the table would be bold enough just to pray and let everyone else listen in on your prayer, what is it that jumps out to you in that passage? Dialogue with God and let's worship together. All right, Somebody lead the way in a word of prayer. Would you do that? Alright, as people are wrapping up that prayer around that verse, notice what we did tonight. We took a verse here, a verse there, we pondered on it, we pictured it, and we dialogued with God. And we moved on to a couple of other verses. We just didn't read a bunch of verses and slap a prayer out there to God and say, oh God, thank you for what you taught me in your word tonight. You dialogue as you go through it. You're just having a, a love relationship with Jesus. That what it means to, that's what it means to abide in him. And Him to abide in you. So I hope that starts to become a rhythm for you. I hope it maybe changes the way that you interact with your God in His love letter for your heart each and every day you're in it. So stay there with it as we break up tonight uh, and pray. You can pray over a chair on the way out. I want to encourage you. I hope you're starting to get excited. I hope you got to see some of the Christmas decorations starting to bring that Christmas spirit in the room. When you show up this Sunday, there will be a 45 minimum, I think, 45 to 50 person choir waiting for you. They're going to be leading out. The choir's coming back after a two-year hiatus. Uh, you'll want to be here for that. It's going to be really special. The place will be lit up and there are chairs that need to be filled with somebody you know this week. So invite them to celebrate the season with us at Putnam City Baptist Church this Sunday. So pray over these chairs as you go out tonight. Bless somebody in Jesus' name and we'll see you on Sunday morning. All right, you are dismissed.